This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie Deschal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Right now, I'd like you to just join me in prayer. You know, I am uh, deeply, deeply concerned about our nation. And I think you all should be. I'm deeply concerned about the city of Harare. And uh, as sweet as the worship was this morning, and I thank God for his presence. I, I felt very ministered to. I felt like God really spoke deeply into our spirits today. He, he wants to touch his people. But we uh, have consistently seen prideful and arrogant leaders who refuse to call upon the name of God, who are stiff-necked, and who violate every principle of humanity, even violating our own constitution. Manufacturing laws, manufacturing for a dollar, anything that they can, a two-tiered system of justice. They live one way and we all live another way. We'll pay U.S. dollars to MPs, but we can't pay U.S. dollars to anybody else and it's against the law. This is all violations of everything that's decent. It's not right. And what it's doing is it's causing a great brokenness in the hearts of people. It's causing a great brokenness in the nation. You know, we're, we're penalized for, you know, using U.S. dollars, but then do you think anybody's going to bring U.S. dollars here when you have no control over them? Do you think anybody's going to trust the banks again? Do you think anybody really trusts our government? They don't. There's no trust. Trust has been broken down. And so I don't know what we can do. The Bible says when the foundations are removed, and that's what we've done. We've successfully removed all foundations. Rule of law is gone. There's no water. There's no electricity. There's no means of providing these things. Uh, we've broken every foundation. Uh, government tells us how to run our businesses, but they can't run their own. They can't account for themselves, but they're telling us that we must account. These are foundations that are broken. The foundation stones are broken. I don't know what the answer is in the natural, you know, because of heavy-handedness. But I do know this, that it is not well in our country right now. It is not well with the people. And it's definitely not well with our government. And God gives us the right to pray. And I'd like us to pray today for protection for our families, protection for you and I, and protection and deliverance of our city and our nation. So I'd like you, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to stand. And let's, let's pray this together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And here's what the power of prayer is. We make declaration in the year of pay. The year of declaration. We make declaration. And the Bible says that God hears our prayers. Say this after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we have received your power. That is your ability, your efficiency, and your might. Because the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And we are your witnesses in Harare and in Zimbabwe and to the ends of the earth 
we fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace that we may find help and receive mercy in our time of need. And we need help in the nation of, G uh, of Zimbabwe and in the city of Harare. Father, thank you for sending forth your commandments to the earth. Your word runs very swiftly throughout Zimbabwe and throughout Harare. Your word continues to grow and spread, we declare it. Now, Father, we seek. That is, we inquire for and we require and we request the peace and the welfare of the nation of Zimbabwe and every city in this nation. The nation in which you've caused us to live. We pray to you for the welfare of our city. And we're asking you to do your part and help us to do our part in getting involved in it. We will not let, we will not let false prophets and diviners who in our midst deceive us. We pay, a no, we pay no attention and we attach no significance to our dreams which we dream or to theirs. We declare that you will destroy their schemes. We ask you to confuse their tongues. For we've seen violence and we've seen strife in the city. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to visit our city and our nation. We ask you to open the eyes of our people that we may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. We ask for forgiveness and release from our sins. And we ask for a place and a portion among those who are consecrated and purified by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we pray for deliverance and salvation for those who are following the course and the fashion of this world. For those who are under the sway of the tendency of this present age. Those who are following the prince of the power of the air. Father, we declare as Jesus did. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And now we speak to the prince of the power of the air. The God of this world who blinds the unbelievers' minds. And we command that they leave this nation and they leave this city and we bind their influence over the nation, over the city, over our parliament and over our leaders. We thank you, Father, for your guardian angels 
that you've assigned to us, both here on earth and in the heavenly realms. In the name of Jesus, we stand victorious over the principalities, the powers, rulers of darkness in this world, and the spiritual wickedness in the high places over Zimbabwe and over the city of Harare. Father, you said that morning after morning, you will root up all the wicked in the land, that you will eliminate all evildoers from the city of the Lord. We ask Holy Spirit to sweep through our nation, sweep through the gates of our city and convince the people and bring a demonstration to them about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. Father, you said, for I know your th the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give us hope in your final outcome by the blessing of the influence of the upright and by God's favor because of the upright we speak to the city of Harare and the nation of Zimbabwe and we declare that God will be exalted in this nation that Jesus will be lifted up and that men will come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. We declare it in faith. We thank you that you hear our prayer and that, Father, justice will prevail. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'd like you to greet three people, give them a hug, a handshake. If they're your wife, give her a kiss and go ahead and take your seat. The title of my message this morning and the title of this month's series is We Need a Move. We need a move. If Zimbabwe's ever needed anything, it's now. We need a move. And... Uh, what does that mean? What is it we need a move mean? Well, I'd like you to open your Bibles with me, and I'd like you to read in your real Bibles with me in the book of Exodus. It's a uh, story that was given to us as a pattern and as a principle of a people that were oppressed. I hate to say this, but I believe that we are oppressed as a nation. The oppression is not fair, it's not right, and it's been too long. These people had been oppressed for 400 years. And they said, we need a move. In order to have a move, sometimes you need to move. In Exodus 33, and you can read this story throughout Exodus, chapter 3, chapter 14, and then chapter 33. These are all different things that God did with the children of Israel. But I, I'm picking up particularly today in Exodus 33 because I see four principles that I think would minister to you and I in our 
current situation. Starting with verse 12, it says, And Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know and continue to find favor with you. Boy, there's a powerful statement. Teach me your ways, if you're pleased with me, that I may know and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Boy, I want you to know something. Every pastor, every leader that's ever served the body of Christ must understand that this nation, this great people, this people of this church, they are your people. They're not my people. I hear so many pastors say, oh, my church. This isn't my church. This is his church. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm a shepherd over his people. You are the sheep of his pasture, not the sheep of my pasture. Tap your neighbor and say, bah. <laughs> Amen. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. Thank God. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on those whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. What an amazing passage of scripture. And when I, when I study the life of Moses, I studied the life of a man who was developing a personal walk with God. I think of how he began to hear the voice of God through, first of all, through his mother who was able to nurse him for the first three years of his life and told him and put a lot into him. I, I can't tell you how important it is that you as parents spend time with your children telling them the things of God. The Bible says, train your children up when they're young so when they're old, they'll not depart from the faith. So many people have no faith anymore. We have a whole generation that has faith in science. And much of our science is being proved bogus. Much of our science is failing today. We had such faith in science and science everywhere is no longer so wonderful as it used to be. I'll tell you, there's going to be a great resurgence of people that will come back to a faith in a living God. 
God works with people to develop their faith. This little boy, Moses, grew up in the house of a Pharaoh, never forgetting who he was. And one day, God worked in his heart. He saw his people being oppressed. And God took this unlikely person who had no need to stand up for his people. He could have grown up in the house of Pharaoh and been taken care of for himself without any trouble in life. But for such a time as this, God touched a man. The people of Israel needed a move. They needed a move and God used a man. Of course, he took it into his own hands and he killed an Egyptian, buried him in the sand and his own people saw it and his own people turned against him. We don't need you as a deliverer. And so he ran away and for 40 years he's in the backside of a wilderness. And that backside of a wilderness, he becomes, the Bible says, the meekest man on earth, the humblest man on earth, broken. Oh, I've watched the breaking of a man of God. God breaks all of his men. He takes the arrogance. He takes the pride. He breaks them down so that no flesh can glory in his presence. Sometimes when you're young, you think, oh, the church couldn't do without me. As you get older, you realize that God doesn't need anyone. God uses us, not because of us, but in spite of us. We see Moses eventually comes into an encounter with God at a burning bush and then the story unfolds and he confronts Pharaoh and there's ten plagues and finally he leads the people out. I mean, this is an incredible story. The, the personal walk of a man of God, a personal walk of a person getting to know God. Each of you is going through that walk, by the way. God is personally dealing with you, teaching you every trial, every struggle, every problem, everything you face, God never wastes a thing if you let him teach you of himself. Today's conversation that we see in this scripture between Moses and God is pretty gutsy stuff. Moses seems very comfortable with God, even to challenge God. He says, you don't go with us, we don't go. That's, that's pretty bold stuff, don't you think? See, I tell you what, Moses is praying some real prayers here. You know, God wants us to pray some real prayers. God wants you to connect out of your spirit, man, out of your heart. He loves the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. He wants to hear those prayers. Moses isn't holding anything back. What's even more amazing than Moses' frankness with God is God's gentleness and God's patience and God's reassurance towards Moses. Moses is being bold towards God. And God is gentle towards Moses. I don't know. You have to understand something. When you read this scripture, this passage of scripture, you have to understand it in its context. A lot of people read the Bible, they don't understand the context. Context is the position you find it in. That's why you have to read the chapters before and the chapters after to find out 
what's really going on here? And the context here, uh, this conversation with God, this, this prayer, this situation falls between two separate deliveries of Ten Commandments. You remember Moses had gone up into Mount Sinai and for 40 days and 40 nights, that's all it took was 40 days and the people thought he was gone. I've been amazed. The people left God and started following a, an idol. It doesn't take long out of the house of God before your heart turns to idolatry. It doesn't take long for you to take your money and begin to put it towards idols. I've watched people, man, I, they, they leave church for a few days, a few weeks. Within 40 days, their idols and their money have shifted focus. Yeah, yeah. It not take long to lose focus on God. Who was this man? What was that leader? Oh, yeah, yeah. We forget. We forget. Our hearts are exceedingly wicked. Moses comes down after 40 days. He sees the people of, even Aaron, the high priest, have put up a golden cow, a calf, to worship. He's so angry, he takes the Ten Commandments that God has just carved out of stone, and he throws them down, breaks them. He's angry. Guess who else is angry? God's angry. God turns to Moses and says, I'll make of you a great nation. Let me obliterate these people. And I love Moses. Moses' prayer. And he prayed this a number of times. He said, no, 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 no. He says, these are your people. God says, they're your people. He says, no, they're your people. I love the fight. They're your people. No, they're your people. No, they're your people, God. And if you're going to kill, listen to what Moses said this. He says, if you're going to kill them, kill me. He says, I stand with your people. He, that's the intercession. Our nation needs us to intercede for it right now. These people are doing wicked. They're doing wicked things. They're worshiping idols. God's told Moses that he'll send an angel with them into the promised land. Why did God do that? Because God's afraid that if he goes with them, he might kill them all. If he stays with them any longer, why? He says, because of their continued rebellion. Now this is the setting for Moses' dialogue. And he begins this intercession. He intercedes for sinful people before a holy God. You know, when I look at Moses' boldness before God, I see a few applications for you and I, and I'd like to point those out to us today. First of all, they needed a move. They needed a move. And like Moses, we need to pray, number one, for those who rebel against God. We need to pray for those who rebel against God. That's why I opened the service this morning praying for our nation, praying for our city. And I'd like to encourage you to pray for our leaders. Our leaders are in open defiance against God. They're in open rebellion against Almighty God. They know that what they're doing is wrong. Our doctors are being vilified because they refuse to go into 
hospitals that should be condemned. When there is no running water in a hospital, that hospital should be condemned. When there's no electricity in a hospital, the hospital should be condemned. But our doctors are vilified. As if they're doing something wrong by saying, excuse me, we don't even have aspirin, but you're asking us to serve people. This is wrong. This is wicked. It is evil. And I, for one, stand in solidarity with our doctors. Threats and persecution firing people. Why? Because they're upholding a moral value is wrong. I'm sorry, this is wrong. And it's time for us to stand and say, no, 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 no. I'm not espousing any kind of violence. I'm just saying there comes a time when you say, this is wrong. This is wrong. We can find money to do all kinds of things, but we can't find money to take care of our own hospitals. Our priorities are wrong. And I'm asking us to pray for these wicked people that have their priorities so wrong. See, when you don't serve God, when you don't know God, there's no way to know right from wrong. And these men can't know right from wrong because they don't serve God. And it's obvious. The Bible says that we reflect our love for people. Our, and our love for, we reflect our love for God by the way we treat people. So here's what, this is what Moses is doing at the end of verse 13. He says, remember that this nation is your people. Oh God, I want you to remember that Zimbabwe is your people. And notice how he includes himself in verse 16. He asks, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? He does this twice. Moses intercedes for the people who have rebelled against God and against God's authority. We need to do the same. We all know people in rebellion against God. Every one of us knows somebody that's in rebellion against God. After all, if you're not a believer, the Bible says you're the enemy of God. You and I, while we were enemies against God, he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent someone to preach to us. He sent someone to tell us about Jesus. I wasn't looking for God when I found him. Actually, I didn't find him. He found me. Thank God. Now, you're either God's friend or you're God's enemy. There is no middle ground. We all have family members who don't know God. We have friends who are rebelling against God. We have friends who are anti-Christ, even though some of them aren't even aware that they're doing it. We have neighbors who are rebelling against God. Maybe you think, well, I know, I know, but I can't do anything about this. 
That's where you're wrong. This is missions month. Number one, you can pray for them. Moses prayed. You can pray for them. We need to pray for them regularly. We need to pray for our leaders regularly and often. We need to pray like Moses prayed. God, these people need you. They don't stand a chance without you. Please save them. Save them from their sins. Save them from their selves. Save them from themselves. Save them from the foolish pride that says they don't need God. We need to intercede for those rebelling against God. One of Jesus' last statements on the cross was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And I believe that's the case in our country. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, I don't know a single person that's not a Christian. Well, you need to get out more. You need to meet some people. You need to go and do something besides church and Bible study. You need to get out where the people are. God loves people. Talk to somebody outside of the family of faith. How are you and I going to be salt and light to the world if all you know are Christians? It's missions month and we need to move. We need to pray for those that don't know God. We need to move and we need to be part of the move. Secondly, we need to hunger for the presence of God. Moses wants God's presence so badly that he says this in verses 15 and 16. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Mm. Indeed. What will precipitate a move? What will make us different from anyone else if we don't have the presence of God? I don't want to do religion anymore. I don't want religion. If you're here and this is just religion to you, this is, that is wrong. I want presence. I want God. God, don't let us just have religion. Don't let us just go through these motions. There's more to it than that. The word presence in the Hebrew actually means face, face. The idea is very personal. It's a very personal relationship with God, face to face. You know, when I first got born again, I was a Catholic, and uh, I didn't know Jesus. I served in the Catholic Church. I, from a little boy, I was an altar boy. I was going to seminary. I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do as the eldest son in a large Catholic family. And I'll never forget, I went to a Bible study with my dad. A Catholic Bible study was a Protestant speaker. And the Protestant speaker made a comment in his presentation of Jesus Christ that shook me to my core. It, it, it sounds foolish today to some of you because, you know, you've probably heard it a hundred times. But when he said it, it was like, 
it rocked me. He says, just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than parking yourself in a garage makes you a Volkswagen. I was shocked because I've been parking myself in church for a long, long time. But I hadn't become a Christian. I had to come to a place where I bowed my knee and I bowed my heart and I said, oh, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. It's not about religion. It's not about church. It's about presence. It's about you. Only the presence of God in your life makes you a believer. And that is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. That God chose to live in us. His Holy Spirit comes. His Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. The moment we believe. The moment we yield ourselves to the control of Jesus Christ. The moment we trade in our sins for Jesus' lordship. He comes and he gives us his presence in our hearts. Even when you've walked away from God, as many as you have, of you have this week, through whatever circumstance, the minute you come back into church and you begin those worship songs and his presence returns and you repent and you say, oh God. Even David had that. He says, oh, it didn't make sense to me. He said, I saw the wicked, how they prosper. I saw how evil the country was. I see how everything is so bad. He says, until I went to the house of the Lord. Then it all made sense. In the house of God, these things make sense to us. Is anybody listening today? Just tap your neighbor and say, I think his preaching is better than your amening this morning. We need to hunger for God's presence like we hunger for food. Don't look at the person next to you. I'm talking to you. Missed any meals lately? Not me. In fact, if I'm late on one, I might even have to have a snack. Some of you can't even make it through a service without reaching into your bag. And uh -huh, just tap that person. Say, ah, uh, see, he, uh, he, he knows, he knows. See, I miss food too much. What if we hunger for God like we hungered for food? By the way, that's what fasting does. You don't just fast when you need a medical blood test or something like that. Some people have such a hard time. Oh, it's, I got to fast oh, from midnight until 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> You know, you can also fast just to remind yourself of how much you need God. Just how much you need him. Without God's presence, we're lost. In fact, we're no different than the rest of the world. And that's what Moses is saying here. He says, don't send us to the promised land. Don't give us a move without you. God, your presence in this move is important to us. We need a move. We need to pray for those who are rebelling against God. We need to hunger for the presence of God. But thirdly, we need to long for more of God. Don't be content with your Christian walk. So many people get content. I'm a good person. I'm holy. I'm, I pray three times a day. I, I'm not like these publicans. 
<laughs> don't become pharisaical. See, don't be content with what God did in your life years ago. I was with a guy the other day, and his testimony is like, I mean, it's really like moldy bread, man. I mean, he's still testifying about what God did in the late 70s, early 80s. That's his testimony. I gave my life to Jesus. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he done for you this week? What's he doing for you? What did he do for you this morning? You know, I know, I know you got born again. That's wonderful. God bless you. But hey, has he done anything lately for you? Have you, have you had any contact with him lately? Do you have a relationship? Now you can tap your neighbor and say, is he talking to you? We need to long to know more of God. Consider how far Moses had come when he first encountered God in the burning bush. He was absolutely terrified at the voice of God. Now he can look back on how God used him to deliver three million people from slavery, to miraculously cross a dry seabed of the Red Sea, to wander the desert for 40 years, to bring water out of a rock quail into their camp, food from heaven. And now they're on the cusp, on the edge of the promised land. Moses had come a long way with God, and you can see it by his raw prayers. And yet he's not satisfied. This man who was afraid of a burning bush, God's presence in a burning bush, says in verse 18, show me your glory. Show me your glory. That word glory is hard to define in English. It's the Hebrew word kabod. It means heaviness. It means weightiness. It means majesty beyond what we're used to. It's the weight of God. I don't know about you, but there has been times that the glory of God has been so heavy that I could hardly lift myself up. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had that taste of God's presence that was so real? His glory was so real. You didn't want to breathe. You just, oh God. See, I want that again. We need a move, but we need his glory. See, God Moses wants to see God in all of his fullness. Moses wants to see God in his glory. Moses longs for this. He longs for more of God. But look at God is merciful. Mercifully, God says this. He says, Moses, you can't handle my full glory. I often wonder what would happen if God came to church one Sunday. I mean, in his full glory. He comes every Sunday, don't get me wrong. He comes by the power. But if he showed up in his full glory, I think you'd all be dead. <laughs> Just tap your neighbor and say, I think we'd all be dead. <laughs> see, his full glory, no man can see God and live. That's why we have to be protected by the blood of Jesus. That's why we go before him not on the basis of our righteousness, but on the basis of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ living in me. There, there's, a, there's a posture, there's a position that we take in Christ, in God. But 
I want you to notice the tenderness of God. He says, Moses, stay here in the cleft of this rock. And he says, I'm going to pass by you. And I'm going to cover you with my hand. And he says, as I pass by, he says, I'll just move my hand at the last minute and you'll get to see my rear end. Well, my hind side. I don't know what he saw. My back. You'll see my back. Well, let me tell you something. Whatever he saw was pretty powerful stuff. Amen. So as God passes, the scripture says, he protects Moses by the palm of his hand. I want you to know something. God holds you in the palm of his hand too. It's a beautiful picture of Almighty God reaching out to a mere mortal with tenderness and with care. Moses, Moses gets to see the lingering portion of God's glory as God passes by. We need to long for more of God. We need to desire to not be so content with how close we presently are, but have a desire to grow closer, ever more knowledgeable of his word, ever more cognizant of his voice, ever more appreciative of his work around us. We need a move. We need a move. We need to pray for those who rebel against God. We need to hunger for the presence of God. We want to want more of God and lastly, we need to shine with the light of God. I'm amazed. God granted Moses' request. But the Bible says Moses was changed forever. Look at Exodus 34, verse 29. It says, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Can I tell you something? The people of Israel, when Moses came down from the mountain this time, didn't want to look at Moses anymore because he shone of the glory that he'd seen by seeing the backside of Almighty God. He was full of the glory of God. He shone. So much so that they asked Moses to wear a veil. Oh, man. <laughs> Something changed in Moses' life. His face glowed. People could tell that he'd been with God. I don't know about you. Have you ever been around somebody who's been with God? You can tell. Man, that guy's been with God. That's what the Romans said about these Galileans. People looked, the Romans and the people looked at these Galileans and said, we can tell that they've been with Jesus. They've been with God. I remember walking in on a man of God one time that I respected in his church office one morning. I discovered the pastor there in his office early with an open Bible in front of him. I said, hey, you got a minute to talk? He said, sure, could it wait 15 minutes? He says, I'm not a very nice person until I've had my time with the Lord. He was giving me the message that I'm trying to convey here. That if we're not spending time with God, our lights will not shine. You see, like Moses, 
when we do spend time with God, our light shines. People begin to see Jesus in us. They know our lives are different. We're saltier. We just shine brighter. How many of you know the difference when you've been spending time with God and when you don't? How many of you have loved that feeling of, man, I've been with the Lord this week. Praise. Doesn't it seem like there's a kind of a skip in your step? Doesn't it just seem like there's a little bit more wisdom? Doesn't it just seem like life goes a little easier? Doesn't it just seem like people are more attracted to you? There's just something different about us. We can begin to live out 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 that says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks of you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and do it with respect. What a verse. How many of you are ready to give an answer? You know, when you're full of God, it's easy to give an answer with gentleness and respect. See, people won't ask you about your hope or our hope if our lives aren't different. If you look like everybody else, if you're griping and complaining and moaning just like everybody else, they're not going to ask you. But if you've been with God and you're glowing with God's love, they'll see hope in us. Boy, if our nation ever needed hope, it's now. Pray for our doctors. They're hope for us right now. They're standing up for what is right and rightfully so. And I know they're under a lot of pressure. Financially, it's costing them. But they are on the side of moral, of what's morally right. We cannot keep going down this path. It is wrong. Don't miss the irony here in this message. We've gone full circle. In the first part of the message, we're talking about hungering for the presence of God and wanting more of God. Now here in my last point, we discovered that God is present with us. In fact, the Bible says his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, we need a move. We need a move, all right. Well, if we're going to see a move of God, we have to understand that God manifests himself through the lives of his saints through years of my life. Scripture never records Moses as describing the glory of God that he glimpsed. Moses never came back and said, oh, you gotta, you got to see what I saw. Man, let me tell you what I... He never talks about, I had five dreams and I had seven angels and Jesus appeared to me. He never talked about it. Do you know what he talked about? Nothing. He showed up and glory was on him and God moved through him and everybody knew that man has been with God. Sometimes I think we make up in thunder what we lack in lightning. I had a dream last night. Oh, God told me. God, God, God. So much noise and so little power, so little presence, so little of God. Moses, there was no way he could put into words what had happened. And I know sometimes we feel like that. We've had just a little more glimpse of God. But let me tell you something. 
Here's how God describes, and here's how John, I should say, records our experience with God's glory. In John 1, verses 14 and verse 18, it says, The Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the only but the one and only Son, who himself God is God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let me tell you how the glory of God comes into your life, the presence of God. It says you read the Bible as you study the Word of God, and the Word becomes flesh in you. That word begins to come incarnate to you. That revelation, whoever, whatever God reveals to you is for you and for your children and your children's children. Nobody could ever take away that revelation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've shown us your glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to depend on your presence in our lives, to hunger for you more and more, to pray for those who don't, do not know you. And Father, we ask you to let your glory shine through us. Today, Lord, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of Almighty God. Lord, I'm asking for myself for this congregation, Father, for the sake of all who move in your name in this city and in this nation, that you would give us a move, that you would move, that you would help us to move. We are now desperate, but we have not despaired. Our eyes are on you, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're here this morning and you listening to my voice or if you're listening on our streaming make some decisions today make a resolve in your heart be a person of action be a person of determination be a person of prayer pray for those who don't know God be a person of action Seek God, hunger for God, seek his presence, seek his glory, but then don't be afraid to let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. There are many good works that we do. Standing against oppressors is a good work. Well, it may cost you, but it's costing us desperately 
under the hand of their oppression. I'm not saying to do anything illegal or immoral. I'm saying sometimes we just need to let our voice be heard. This is wrong. Thank you, doctors. Thank you for those of you that are in the financial sectors that are looking at the mess. It's wrong. Those are not solutions. We keep postulating positions and solutions and then changing our minds. Can't do the same thing two weeks in a row. That's wrong. It's wrong. It's not wrong to say that that's wrong. It's not wrong to say, listen, the emperor has no clothes on. It's not wrong to say that. It's not wrong to speak the truth in love. But then get your hands dirty. Get involved. Let's make solutions. Even though they're not being heard yet, be a part of the solution. Use your voice. We need to move. Well, God's going to use you. God's going to use me. We need to move. We need to move. We need to move of God. There is no hope for Zimbabwe outside of God. I can tell you that right now. There's no hope for Zimbabwe through the pundits, through the pretenders. There is a move. There is hope through a move of God. If you're, stand, if you're sitting here today and you say, I need boldness to do what I need to do. I know what God's telling me to do. I know that I need boldness to do that. I ask you wherever you're at just to stand. Say, that's me. I need boldness today. I want to be a part of the move. I want to be part of this move. God, and I want you to move through me. Move through me. I want to be used of you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm not afraid of what man can do. Now, don't stand up because of peer pressure. Just stand up if you really mean this. I'm going to pray for you. Put your hand on your heart. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I hear the message today. As you were with Moses, I'm asking you to be with me. As he sought you for your presence, as he prayed for those who were rebellious, and you heard him, I'll do likewise. I'm asking you to have a touch of your glory. More glory. I'm asking you to go with me. I'm asking for a move. I'm asking for a move. Remove from me a heart of selfishness and replace it with a heart of boldness. Father, may I speak when I see evil. May I stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Help me today to be your representative, your son, your daughter on earth. I'm asking for a move. I'm asking for you to move through me, in me, 
by me. Father, now let your anointing come in Jesus' name. Let the anointing come. Father, let anointing come. Let favor come upon my sisters and my brothers in Jesus' name. Use these men and women, I pray right now. Anoint them for service. Anoint them, Lord. Anoint their lips. Let their light shine before men. Fill them with your Holy Ghost and power. Anoint from on high in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.